This is the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 Huntsville, our weekly mix of special programs and homemade radio features. I'm your host, Brett Tannehill, with Katie Ganaway Producing. If you're driving around right now or just looking for something to do, head on down to the Stove House on Governor's Drive in Huntsville for the CD release party for our newest local music compilation, Local Aliens 4. That's happening as part of Stove House's Turntable Takeover Night. Stop by and pick up your free CD right now until about 8 o'clock. We'll check out a few tracks a little later with Nate Emery. And Local Aliens fits in nicely with tonight's theme as we're once again thinking about space. Friday could be a historic day with the first ever all-female spacewalk at the International Space Station. And to get in the spirit, we'll hear from America's first female astronaut, Sally Ride. But first, this Saturday, Huntsville celebrates Astronomy Day as the Von Braun Astronomical Society hosts a day chock full of activities at its planetarium up on Montesano. VBAS President Beth Barrow stopped by to fill us in on the details. And we started by touching on one of Huntsville's most hotly debated topics. Is it Werner Von Braun or Von Braun? It's Von Braun. He was German, so in German it would be Brown. But because in English, people look at A-U and they think, ah, so English-speaking people mispronounce it by saying brawn, and uh, that just gets to be very familiar. So sometimes we say brown when we remember to say it correctly, and sometimes we say brawn when we're just being careless. I mean, that's a running thing that we have here with people who come to do PSAs, and if mm-hmm. you call the Von Braun Center on television, on their answering machine, mm-hmm. it's Von Braun. How mm-hmm. did it get so... Uh, out of whack uh, in the the public. Well, gosh, I've just been reading this cool book all about the spelling bee, and did you know that in some cultures they don't even have a spelling bee because every time you look at a particular thing, it's that pronunciation. So in German, A-U is Au, and here it could be Ought or oat or, you know, and so we have spelling bees because our English language comes from so many different backgrounds that who knows how that thing is supposed to be spelled. And that's the big trick. So. I, I like the idea of that. So, so tell me about VBAS. What is VBAS? Well, thank you for uh, going back to the shorter version. Yeah. So the Von Braun Astronomical Society, or VBAS as we prefer to call it, Uh, just for simple shortness of uh, expression, um, is our local astronomy club. And uh, we're located inside the Montecito State Park. On any Saturday night at 7.30, we give a public show. And y'all do uh, sky viewings at the Rocket Center? Uh, What what sort of way do you interact with the public? Well, we do sidewalk astronomy, and we do have a a relationship with the U.S. Space and Rocket Center uh, where we provide uh, sidewalk astronomy to support their new intuitive planetarium. So people can go to an intuitive show and then come outside and see the real sky through the telescopes that we provide. And it's simply volunteers. Our entire club is volunteer-driven society. So people who love to share their knowledge and their passion for the stars go and set up their telescopes and meet and greet the public wherever they want us. So it doesn't have to be the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. It could be any organization can contact us and say, hey, we're doing something. Could you support us with some telescopes? And we will be there. Why is it important to our community to have a group like yours to sort of help us keep focused on the sky? Well, unfortunately, in our world and today, people are so screen-oriented that Being inside is the norm. Being in air conditioning is the norm. Looking at a screen is the norm, whether your screen is in your handheld device or sitting in front of you on your desk or your TV. And people just do not look up. And so we have this passion to share the real world with our fellow human beings. Look up. Look and see what there is. And that's what we're trying to do. So tell me a little bit about uh, the VBAS planetarium up on Montesano. I bet a lot of people don't even know that it's up there. How long has it been there? Tell me a little bit about it. Well, we were started more than 50 years ago um, at the request of a child who had moved here from Mississippi. And Sam Pruitt had been part of an astronomy club in his hometown in Mississippi. And when he moved to Huntsville, Alabama, he was super excited about being here and then found that there was no astronomy club. So he contacted Verna Von Braun and said, could you please tell me how I could start an astronomy club? And Dr. Von Braun said, well, I'll meet with you. And they met uh, at the, the home of a mutual friend. 
and the child said, well, we, you know, what are we going to do? And, of course, I say the child, but this is a 16-year-old. This is Sam Pruitt. And Dr. Von Brown said, well, don't worry about getting organized. Don't worry about uh, who's going to be the president or who's going to be the vice president. He said, well, you need a building. You need a telescope. And he just powered through all of those questions. He said, I know somebody in California who could get us a mirror, maybe the cost that we can afford. And he passed the hat and he collected money from all of his friends. And then the very, let's see, they had a big meeting of him and the friends, passed the hat. And then he told them, he said, we're going to go downtown and we're going to meet with business people and we're going to meet with city people. And they came home with $8,000 worth of donated materials and $3,000 in pledged money. And uh, from that was the start of our club. Um, he had a friend who had a pilot's license and he borrowed, um, Dr. Stuhlander, uh, borrowed a, a Piper Cub and they flew over, you know, the area because there were criteria, you know, it has to be a dark site, but it needs to be clear, you know, close to people and it must cost nothing. And, uh, to quote, uh, to quote Dr. Von Brown. So they found a site within the state park and, uh, flew to Montgomery, talked to people down in Montgomery, and they agreed to rent us 13 acres of land for a dollar for 25 years. So after 25 years had passed, they rented it to, it to us for another dollar. And uh, we're still there. And I think in about 19 years, we're going to have to pay another do dollar, hopefully, and uh, get to Oh, wow. The, the lease is coming due in 19 years. Yes. So you're good for yes. a little while. Yes. Then, well, right? We paid up in 2004. So uh, it's, it's coming. <laughs> well, and that's uh, really in line with... Uh, all the other things that I've heard about Dr. Von Brown is he's just so passionate and energetic and he gets hold of an idea and just goes for it. Um, and of course, he has a very complicated legacy too, his ties mm -hmm. with his team uh, being co-opted in the Nazi party and, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. How does uh, your group uh, handle that really complex, complicated legacy of his uh, and, and carry that forth? Well, we started as the Rocket City Astronomical Association. So we, the name changed after his death. And like many people, like many entities in our community uh, that named the Von Brown Civic Center after him and, and, other, and other things, we just look at the work he did here. And what he did here was be the first director of Marshall Space Flight Center and then think, gosh, I wish I didn't have to keep flying away to make contact with my suppliers. And he contacted a, a man that he knew who owned a lot of farmland, Mr. Cummings, and he said, you know, I have this idea that if I invited these companies to build here, that they would, but they need a place. And that was the beginning of Cummings Research Park. And they thought, gosh, I hate constantly having to hire people from elsewhere. We should be growing our own scientists here. So we went down to Montgomery and he talked to the legislature and he said, we've got this fledgling little outpost from uh, the University of Alabama up here in Huntsville, but it needs funding. We need money. And they unanimously voted to give him as much money as he asked for right then. And uh, that was really the start of UAH being more than just a little wimpy satellite program. And it was unusual in that it started with graduate level classes. And he supplied the teachers. He said, my paperclip team, and paperclip is the, the reference to right. the, the team of scientists that joined him from, uh, came over from Germany. And they provided the first professors that uh, taught graduate level classes I mean, at what UAH. a group of teachers to learn from. Yes. Another thing that I'd like to mention is that Von Braun reached out to not only uh, UAH, but also to A&M University. And he very much promoted the inclusion of minority workers at, you know, as much as possible at Marshall Space Flight Center. And when he was asked about that, he said, when I was younger, in my other life, he said, I looked away when I saw people in need and I promised myself I would never do that again. So he actively campaigned for um, civil rights and for desegregation. He was very much an active member of that part of our history, too. And, dear listener, if you'd like to learn more about that, we produced a documentary on that over the summer, uh, One Giant Leap, How the Integration of Marshall Space Flight Center Helped Mankind Reach the Moon. Uh, it talked a little bit about uh, that connection with Alabama A&M University and how he really was instrumental in generating the interest and the need for them to start a physics department mm -hmm. and to really play an active role in what was, what was growing and going on here in Huntsville. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Von Braun had the idea that we needed outreach to children and Space Camp was born and the U.S. Space and Rocket Center was his idea. He made the city over and you can't just sweep that under the rug because 
other things happened in other places that weren't here. So we're just dealing with what our founder did in our town with our society. And that's really my, my favorite thing about his story is how the power of a dream can just manifest itself into so many amazing things. And ultimately, that, you know, that step on the moon was just an amazing moment for humankind. Yes. The people of Huntsville can be very proud that we provided the Saturn V rocket that put men on the moon, and that rocket never failed. And that, that's an amazing record. So let's move to the present day, more specifically Saturday. So yes. Saturday is Astronomy Day, and yes. VBAS uh, has some things planned. We do. Um, astronomy is a nationwide entity, uh, generally held in most other places on the first Saturday in October. We are holding it on October 19th because many of our members are Madison residents. Madison had a big to-do on the first Saturday of, uh, of October. So we're on October 19th, and we're hoping that that'll be a weekend of fun, that people can come up to the planetarium and join us between the hours of 1 to 5 in the afternoon and then from 7 to 10 in the evening. We will have, uh, we've invited other groups to join us, so we'll have uh, uh, booths by HAL 5 and NASA and um, some other entities uh, with fun things to do. We'll have a vacuum chamber you know, on display for people to see what happens in the vacuum of space. And we've got a friend coming up and cooking up comets for us. And Oh, cool. Whoa. Yes. Tell me about that. Oh, well, uh, Steve is former president of the Von Braun Astronomical Society. And uh, Mr. Patrick's going to come up and mix up magic chemicals. Don't want to give away all the secrets. And uh, you will actually get to see a steaming hot mess of comet right there oh, in front of you. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So we'll have that. And this is a public event. The public is yes. invited to attend. This. We, that, and that is the point. This is an open house on our part. So there's no charge for coming into the planetarium itself. There's no, no charge for any of our shows that we're going to do that day. We'll have a series of four programs inside the planetarium during the afternoon. And then we've got a big event that night centered around X-ray astronomy. So we've got two X-ray astronomers coming to talk to us. And uh, then we've got a special surprise, a little bit of a concert there, um, also planned for the evening. Oh, very cool. And the 30th anniversary of Chandra yes. was this year, too. So yes, it's been sir. a big year for Huntsville yes. in space. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's skip ahead a little bit more because I know another pretty neat <laughs> event is happening on Tuesday, October 22nd, uh, you'll be helping us get in the Halloween spirit a little bit. This is happening coming up this Tuesday uh, at 7 o'clock at Interspace Brewery. Spooky skies, stuff from the skies that can kill you. What in the world? Interspace is a great name, and uh, I would have titled this show Interspace, except that the group that invited me to come is Interspace. <laughs> got it, yeah. Yes, because yeah. being afraid of the sky is something that happens inside your head. Uh, you're either afraid of it because you've learned some facts about astronomy and you're like, oh, my gosh, that could kill me. Or you just get freaked <laughs> out because something looks scary. Uh, human beings love to see patterns in, in nebulas and clouds and things. So you kind of let your imagination go a little bit and then you're still spooked out. Well, space is a bit spooky, I will admit. Uh, and I like it. I like it that way because to me, when you're looking at something that far away, like through a telescope or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. It's just a reminder, oh, my gosh, we are so tiny. And the rest of it is so huge. There are things out there. So can you give us a preview about what you might be talking about here? Or? Oh, well, actually, uh, your comment there reminded me of a quote that's on the back of our T-shirts by Arthur C. Clarke. It says, two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. Scary. So what do you think, alone or not? Oh, me? Personally? Yeah, personally. I, I just think that it's completely, incredibly impossible that we could be the only entities in the universe. Statistically, it does yeah. not seem possible. You right, know, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay, so and Beth, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you'd, you'd ask me what kind of scary things we're going to do? Yes, yeah, just, tell us. You'll yes. just have to show up. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm not giving that's, things that's away fair now. Enough. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that is spooky skies, stuff from the skies that can kill you. Uh, coming up this Tuesday, October 22nd at 7 p.m. at Interspace Brewery. Also, Astronomy Day happening this Saturday up at the Von Braun Astronomical Society's Planetarium up on Montesano. Beth, uh, the final question uh, is a question that I've asked a number of people. 
Um, and so I'm going to ask you as well. Okay, so just just play with me here for a second. If you could go anywhere in the universe and see anything, you can arrive and return safely in a reasonable amount of time. Where would Beth go, and what would you see? Hmm, I'm very very curious about Jupiter, and I would love to see if there's life on the oceans of the moon there. I'd love to see what's underneath the clouds. You know, you know, if you drop down into the clouds in Jupiter, like what's there? What's what's making that giant hurricane that just, you know, been cranking away for over 400 years, the great red spot. I'm very very excited about that. Now, if I could travel in time, if I could travel in time. Let's say you can travel in time. If yeah. I could travel in time, yeah. I would have to go back to the 1833 Leonid meteor shower. And then I'd have to wow, be yeah. on the eastern seaboard of the United States under clear skies, you know, because with my luck, I'd be somewhere that's raining. But uh, <laughs> but let's assume that I can also have good weather. Um, I really wish I could see a major shower like that. Of all the people I've asked, no two people have said the same thing to that question. That's well, a so. big universe. That was Von Brown Astronomical Society President Beth Barrow talking about Astronomy Day this Saturday at the V. Bass Planetarium on Montesano. Things kick off at 1 p.m. with solar viewings, homemade comets, mini planetarium shows, and all sorts of cool hands-on activities. Then at 7 p.m., Drs. Martin Weisskopf and Jessica Gaskin give a presentation titled The Past, Present, and Future of Astrophysics. Find more info at vbass.org. Beth's presentation, Spooky Skies, Things from Space That Can Kill You, takes place at Interspace Brewing Company, Tuesday, October 22nd at 7 p.m. This is the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 in Huntsville, our weekly mix of special programs and homemade radio features. Find the podcast at WLRH.org. I'm your host, Brett Tannehill, with Katie Ganaway producing. High above the Earth, right now at the International Space Station, there's a major problem with the station's power system. And to fix it, NASA astronauts Christina Koch and Jessica Meir are scheduled to carry out the first-ever all-female spacewalk this Friday, October 18th. In honor of these brave souls blazing trails in space, it's a great chance to revisit the amazing story of Sally Ride, the first American woman in space. Check out this podcast from Blank on Blank, where Sally Ride predicts the ISS, another moon mission, and other things. A special program here on the Public Radio Hour. From Quoted Studios and executive producer David Gerlach, this is Blank on Blank. Distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, I'm Amy Drozdowska. This episode marks a return to our special series, The Experimenters, uncovering interviews with the icons of science, technology, and innovation, people who helped make the world we live in today. Over the last several months, we've been digging into archives, sorting through old and sometimes forgotten tape, and looking for those interviews with people we know, but don't know enough about. One of those people is Sally Ride. These days, just about every space mission has women on it. It's just not a big deal. But in 1983, it was very much a big deal. That's the year Sally Ride became the first American woman in space. Back in 1963, Russia sent Valentina Tereshkova as the first woman to fly to outer space. But it took two more decades for the Americans to follow suit. At the time, journalist and icon of the feminist movement Gloria Steinem had an ABC interview series called In Conversation With. Are you, is this just to start talking or to start the actual tape? Sorry. As part of that program, she interviewed Sally Ride. And we found the tape in Smith College's archive dedicated to the life and work of Steinem, the Gloria Steinem Papers, part of the Sophia Smith Collection. Now, at the time of this interview, as far as the public, and it turns out the press, were concerned, space was for clean-cut alpha males with names like Buzz. Here's the tape. I wish that there had been another woman on my flight. I wish that two of us had gone up together. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a lot easier. It's tough to be the first, but you've done it with incredible grace. You also have the only job in the world that everybody understands. (laughs) My father, I think, was so grateful when I became an astronaut because he did not understand astrophysicist. <laughs> he couldn't relate to that at all. But astronaut was something he thought he but understood. But astronaut, and you could see people all over the world connecting with what you were doing. 
roughly half the people in the world would love to be astronauts, would give anything to trade places with you, and the other half just can't understand why in the world you would do something <laughs> that stupid. If you don't have 20-20 vision, can you become an astronaut candidate? I always thought that was a big disabling factor. I think it used to be. Now, as long as it's correctable to 20-20, it's okay. So you'd probably qualify. <laughs> I didn't have any dreams about being an astronaut at all, and I, I don't understand that because uh, as soon as the opportunity was open to me, I jumped at it and I instantly realized that, that was what I really wanted to do. On the other hand, my mother claims now, in hindsight, that she knew all along <laughs> that that's what I wanted to do. But I, I took all the science classes that I could all the way through junior high school and then into high school. I went to a girls' school that really didn't have a strong science program at all when I was there. At the time, it was a classic school for girls with a good tennis team and a good English teacher and essentially no math past 11th grade and no physics and no chemistry. I'm curious about uh, the reception that you got inside NASA just because of an experience of mine which was interviewing the very first astronauts before your time accidentally coinciding with the launch uh, of the first uh, Soviet female astronaut and finding them quite angry. They felt that the fact that a woman could do it devalued the whole thing, and they were muttering about, well, they could send up monkeys, you know. Well, what kind of thing happened to you? You know, one anecdote is worth uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have any anecdotes. Because I think people are really curious about what it was like to be one of the first six. We really don't have any. Uh, it's kind of disappointing, but maybe that's a good sign. NASA really made it obvious to everyone at the Johnson Space Center that they were intending to take women astronauts. They seemed to be prepared for it. There were 35 of us in 1978 that started. Six of those 35 were women. The other 29 guys were, I think, very sensitive to the position that we were in. The concept of women in their field was not a new one to them. Really, the only bad moments in our training involved the press. The press was an added pressure on the flight for me, and whereas NASA appeared to be very enlightened about flying women astronauts, the press didn't appear to be. The things that they were concerned with were not the same things that I was concerned with. There for instance, were the bathroom facilities. Bathroom facilities. How much the, did you get asked that? Just about every interview I got asked that. Everybody wanted to know about what kind of makeup I was taking up. They didn't care about how well prepared I was to operate the arm or deploy communication satellites. Did uh, NASA try to prepare you for the press and the pressure? Unfortunately, no, they don't. You know, in my case, they took a graduate student in physics who had spent her life in the basement of a physics department with oscilloscopes and suddenly put me in front of the press. What do you suppose are the dumbest kinds of questions you've been asked to date? Without a doubt, I think the worst question that I have gotten was whether I cried when we got malfunctions in the simulator. <laughs> <laughs> no. That surpassed even the one about whether you're going to wear a bra or not? Did that, somebody really ask you that? No. The press, I think, decided that that was a good question for someone to have asked me and for me to have answered, but I never got that and question. And they, they made you up quite a good response. Something about in a state of weightlessness, it doesn't matter? Or yeah, I think they it made was up something, this whole it thing? Was something like that. Yeah. yeah, I was never asked that question. What about your feelings during the launch? Was there any time that the enormity of what was going on came over you? The moment of the launch, when the engines actually ignited and the solid rockets lit, everyone on the crew was, for a few seconds, just overcome with what was about to happen to us. But a year of training is a long time. A year of sitting in simulators and being told exactly what's going to happen, and you hear the sounds and you feel the vibrations, and they prepare you very well, and it, it worked. We were able to overcome being overcome <laughs> and do the things that we were supposed to do. Just watching there at the launch, there were people with tears streaming down their faces. People I never would have expected. You know, hardened military types, people who maybe don't approve of the money spent on the space program. And yet they were all very moved by, I guess, the human audacity of it. So know? I think that to imagine when you see the, the long trail of flame and then imagine that there are really people <laughs> inside that, that's really something. Inside, of course, you don't see the long trail of flame, and what you're feeling is, is really more of an exhilaration. Well, there are lots of people looking up there feeling proud, not only of you up there, but also on the ground. 
Thank you. Thank you. Sally Ride, first American woman in space, talking with feminist and writer Gloria Steinem. This interview comes from the huge archive dedicated to the life and work of Gloria Steinem, the Gloria Steinem Papers, part of the Sophia Smith Collection at Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. It's an ambitious archive that not only seeks to give a special view of the career and personal life of Steinem, but it also documents the women's movement itself. Thanks again to them. This episode is part of our science and innovation series, The Experimenters. Support for this series comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information on Sloan at sloan.org. You can watch the animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. David Gerlach is the executive producer of Blank on Blank. This episode was produced by me, Amy Drozdowska, along with David, and with help from Jesse Wright Mendoza. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, and learn just what we're uncovering lately in the archives. Before we go, a few more thoughts from Sally Ride, including her projections for the distant future, 2001 to be exact. What do, what do you think it might be like in uh, 2001, in fact? What's possible for us? Well, 2001 is a long ways in the future to speculate on. <laughs> but probably the next step after the space shuttle is going to be a space station. I would foresee a space station as being not just something that is orbiting the Earth and used for experimentation or, or whatever, but would also be used as a launching platform back to the moon or to Mars, mm -hmm. and I think that both of those are inevitable. I'm sure we'll go back to the moon, and I'm sure we'll, it's only a matter of time before we send people to Mars. But do you have any out. speculation about uh, how, how long it might be, perhaps, uh, before there are such things as peopled uh, space colonies? I'd guess that probably by the year 2000 there will be. I think that we'll have a space station up by the end of this decade. On which it would be possible to live for long periods of time. Yes. How was your dinner in the White House? Dinner in the White House was a real experience. <laughs> that is a diplomatic answer. I understand Thank you. You, were, you, were, <laughs> you were sitting between uh, Reagan and the... The uh, premier of Bahrain. What was Reagan's attitude toward you? President Reagan is a very charming person and has a lot of anecdotes and uh, seemed to be genuinely pleased to have me at the dinner table. Did you ask him any questions about the status of women in our country? <laughs> I wish that I had, had asked him more about the status of women, I think. That's one of the things that's important to me. One of the areas where I think that I probably will be able to make a contribution over the next few years, supporting women's rights and women's activities. Uh, a reporter told me with great authority that the first thing President Reagan had asked you was what your husband thought of what you were doing. <laughs> Is that true? No, that's not true. What was the first thing? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> a diplomat. Yes. <laughs> In our final segment, let's think about aliens, more specifically local aliens, as we take a preview of WLRH's newest local music compilation, Local Aliens 4. We produce these CDs and give them out for free every year as a way to support and showcase the out-of-this-world talent radiating from here in the Rocket City. Valley Sound's executive producer, Nate Emery, has joined us now. What's up, Nate? Hey! Hey! So we're super excited about this CD that uh, we just got in the mail today. So tell us a little bit about what it took to put something like this together. It wasn't easy. Oh, it was a labor of love, though, I tell you. Uh, you're correct. It is not easy to do something like this. Uh, the first thing that we did was we held an, an open town hall meeting where we invited members of the music community and the local groups to come in and talk to us about this CD and about what our plans were and to give us suggestions and to basically brainstorm about who we thought would make uh, good candidates for a good mix of music that is representative of the different diverse styles and people that create music here in the Tennessee Valley, but uh, also people that were good representations of the skill that it takes 
to craft a good song or to be part of a good band and all that type of thing. Yeah, and that early conversation really was one of my favorite parts in this whole process of making the CD because we got so many suggestions. And then we got, I think the list was like 65 bands and we came back to the station and, and thought of even more. And just a sign of how much talent is out there. Yeah, there is a ton of talent out there. You're right. It did. The, the list did escalate to over 70 groups that we had to kind of pare down to get something that would fit on a single CD or get us about a 50 minute runtime, give or take, Right. which depending on length is, is, is between 13 and 15 artists, which was really difficult. And this is where we w- went back to uh, previous collaborators, in particular Brad Posey, to get uh, some some more sense of how we needed to kind of to, to kind of narrow the list and narrow the focus, and still keep a very broad spectrum of of artists and talent and diversity on the CD. So one of the artists on the CD uh, is Solo Monk, and he also helps do the artwork. That's correct. Yeah, and we had uh, we had approached him. I knew that he was doing. This is something different that I've seen him do too. Is he was doing live Facebook feeds where he would paint or draw live, and and the shot would be of the canvas while he was working. And he would also do the same thing while creating songs and doing like loops because he has loop pedals, and then he would rap over top of it and then play guitar, and then he would shift from that to painting. Just an all around great artist, and uh, and I saw some of the art that he was creating in these live videos, and thought. Hey, you know what? I think a good idea for local aliens to not only feature local music each year, but to also feature a local artist and then have them do some cover art for us. So he designed the cover art for it, which I think is pretty neat. It's uh, So we're on the radio, so if you can describe it, it's got some pretty cool symbolism. I will try and describe it. And it has a uh, it has a guy laying that's almost like on an operating table, and then a portion of his chest is coming up, which turns into a record platter. And then an arm is coming across here, which is kind of like the stylus for the, for the record. And then there are a bunch of uh, other folks kind of standing got around. some aliens in the background. Yes, we have definitely, we have aliens in the background doing it. And there's lots of different lines and colors and explosions of, of visual things on here. Charles did have something to say about this because we asked him what the cover art meant or what it meant to him. So this is what he says, and this is what also printed in the inside of the CD. It says, it's a depiction of how records are made, genderless, ethereal aliens all giving a piece of themselves to create another color in the spectrum, angular vibrations, purpose, intent, personal sacrifice, and joy. And that is from... Uh, Charles Hastings, a.k.a. Solo Monk, on his description of what the cover art uh, can be interpreted as. I'm Brett Tannehill here with Nate Emery, the executive producer of our local music show, Valley Sounds. Uh, and we're talking about Local Aliens 4, which right this moment, making its world debut over at the Stove House, having a CD release party. If you'd like a free CD, they are free. We're not selling them. You can just stop by and get one. Uh, drop by the Stove House. We'll be there till about 8 o'clock, or you can stop by WLRH and pick one up uh, there. Uh, our fun drive is next week. That's a great time to stop by. Um, yeah. So, and, I, and I've listened to this thing through uh, three times, all the way through every single song, and man, I, I love it. And uh, so tonight, dear listener, uh, Nate and I are going to pick just a few tracks. We don't have time to play everything. Um, you can enjoy that in the comfort of your own home or vehicle. But we're going to pick just a, a, a couple of tracks to share with you. And, Nate, I'm going to let you go first. What what two would you like to pick? Okay, so the, the, the pair that I would like to start off with here is one by a super great hip-hop group here in town called Cole Boys and another uh, group called XY Spaces out of Decatur, and they're kind of like a heavy rock slash metal, I guess, if you have to put a label on it. But uh, it's a it's an interesting pair of groups and talent and sounds. Uh, so these are tracks three and four on Local Aliens 4, and, and what are the names of these songs? We're going to start with Cole Boys. Cole Boys, their song is called Dirty, and XY Spaces have a track that's called This Could Take Forever, and both groups have really good videos for each of those, too. If you, if you were in the mood to, you could check those out on YouTube. Local music on the Public Radio Hour. Back woods, hidden growls, unknown creatures. Too late to 
skate, ancestors guided by moonlight. Walking through the swamp, elderberry, keep wound tight. A grove of pine trees, the horizons to cotton field. 100 pounds a day, granny picked it to cotton meal. Race off the land and hide out, hunting, come fishing holes. Don't need to catch a real, we snatch a crop it with cane pole. We bleed country, like cornbread and buttermilk. Mash it up in the cup if you will, and how you sip. Home in the mud, we mix with blood, we call it red clay. Hit the home of the blue because it's in it a slave. See the spirits is potent, embedded in DNA. Said the art of war that we want to teach your kids every day. But that's just part of the story. Before them shifts at the bay, we was already here. Pressing y'all here while hey, come on. Rising now. down this country road. This red clay licking out of my soul. Memories to my frontal lobe. This a dirty
You're listening to the Public Radio Hour here on 89.3 in Huntsville. I'm your host tonight, Brett Tannehill. Katie Ganaway is producing. And Nate Emery uh, from Valley Sounds, our local music show, is here with me. And, Nate, we're talking about the brand spanking new Local Aliens 4 CD. Uh, and we just heard a couple tracks off of it. Yeah, the one you just heard there was from a group out of Decatur called XY Spaces. And their song was called This Could Take Forever. Yep. And if you're just joining us, uh, listener, uh, this is the Local Aliens 4 local music compilation. We try to do this every year, and we give these away uh, in support of, of the local music scene here in the Tennessee Valley, part of our overall efforts to foster a healthy local music scene and a healthy performing arts scene. That's right. And I wanted to give a shout-out here to our artists that we have on the Local Alien CD because they basically donate music to us to be able to distribute, and they are uh, awful, awful kind of them to do that. Ali Free, Benny Pitzinger, Black Market Salesman, obviously the Cole Boys and uh, XY Spaces, who we just played, Lana White, Property, Quantaphonics, Remy Neal, Solo Monk, Swiss Army Brat, Victoria Jones, and Wolves of Chernobyl. All of them uh, were so kind enough to actually uh, uh, hook us up with a song that we can, we can put out there so people can get this great sampling of local talent that we have here in the Tennessee Valley. And so coming up, uh, the local music show Valley Sounds airs. Saturday nights at 9 o'clock, and you'll be playing the whole thing this week, right? That's correct. So for this week's Valley Sounds feature, I thought it would be great since the CD came out this week if we just took the CD and ran it front to back and did all of the songs so you can hear the mix live on the air, how it's intended to be uh, from, from track 1 to track 13, essentially. So uh, it's my turn to pick, and I think I'm going to go with a little girl power here. Okay, go, uh, so, go. Some woman power. So uh, lots of great tracks on here, and we don't mean to leave anybody out, but we have limited time. So I'm going to pick uh, Lana White mm-hmm. and Victoria Jones, who uh, both of them play around a good bit, and uh, they uh, have really been making some waves the past year. They have. Uh, if you were one of the lucky people to see them perform at the Women in Music that was going on in downtown Absolutely. Huntsville. So that was a good place to check out their chops uh, as far as live performing is concerned. So we're going to hear uh, Lana White's Restless and Victoria Jones' Insignificant here on the Public Radio Hour. This is Local Aliens 4. Thanks, Nate. You're welcome.
a lot into that public radio hour and we hope you enjoyed it we just heard music from victoria jones lana white xy spaces and the cole boys some of the artists featured on wlrh's new local music compilation local aliens 4 which you can pick up for free here at the station a huge thanks to them for doing what they do also thanks to beth barrow with the von brown astronomical society and the fine folks at blank on blank for the podcast on sally ride and many thanks to you for listening if you'd like to check out the show again Visit the Public Radio Hour podcast archive at WLRH.org or download the new WLRH mobile app for free and take us with you wherever you go. I'm Brett Tannehill. Be kind and do good things.